Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Baseball Podcast. We're coming to you live from PNC Park. Um, today, we're going to be discussing Pool C of the World Baseball Classic. And you know why we're talking about Pool C today, Ethan? Can we go back? Why are we in PNC Park? I don't know. Sorry, why did you determine that we were suddenly in PNC Park? I don't know. I mean, if... listen. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just want to be near a, a true hero of the game, like Bob Nutting, who, mm. in spite of being one of the wealthiest owners in the league, fields a team that makes as much money as, like, just Mike Trout. Right. One of my favorite owners in the game. Why wouldn't you want to spend time near a bastion of morality True. like Bob Nutting? The, the man knows how to make money. Yeah. Put a winning team on the field. That's, you know, not the same thing. You know what it is? Not too, at all. Too much, too much overhead doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> no. What if, what if we just were a cheapskate and then we'll make the same amount of money and then we don't have to worry about, you know, keeping it up. But anyway, listen, Pool C is not going to discuss itself. Okay. Ain't that the now, truth? Today, or rather, Perhaps more accurately, the other day, we had on a guest to discuss um, not the best team in this pool, but one of the least discussed teams in the pool, uh, Great Britain. Um, it was Russell Eason. So uh, you want to tell our legions of fans, adoring fans, frankly, uh, you want to tell them a little bit about Russell? Uh, how'd you find oh. this guy? Who is he? Uh, what's his credit card number? You know, and now Russell's great. He is on the Bat Flips and Nerds podcast, which is, I would say, the preeminent baseball podcast with a British twist, I think is what they call themselves. Until but you said with a British twist, I was like, I was like, I don't know. Were you stepping gonna, on were John you Boy? I was going to, I thought you were going to talk about us. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait, a minute. I don't know. Stepping on the baseball <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, bad flips and nerds though, they're great. And basically the way it happened was I had DM'd at one point, one of their writers named Brett Walker, just cause okay. he wrote a cool article. And I DM'd him just to be like, Hey man, liked your article, whatever. So I ended up being like, Hey, you want to come on and talk about, you know, team great Britain. That'd be really fun. And he was like, I asked around the office, Russell's the guy you want to talk to. And I was like, Right. Russell it is I mean I've, I've been like a fan of him for a little while because I like the podcast but anyway big thanks to Brett for uh putting us in touch with Russell but he couldn't have been nicer he uh, agreed to come on the show and he actually put up with a lot because just so our fans know I uh I had a meeting set for 6 30 at one point and at like 6 29 I went downstairs opened up my laptop to start the uh meeting and my internet was down. And so I looked I looked it up. <laughs> I went on, you know, the company's website and they went, We're working on it. We'll let you know when it's re like restored. And I was like, All right. I think this might not work out. So All we right. had to pivot. And so yeah, and so I and I then, and then you and was like you went like this. How much more betrayal can I take? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I messaged him and was like, Hey, you know, uh, my co-host going to have to record. Um, sorry about that. And he was like, Oh man, I wish you could join us. And I was like, unfortunately, 
for you, I'll still be there. Yeah, I just hey, will be using my awesome. phone. Don't get too so, excited. <laughs> right. So he uh he put up with us. Yeah, which was yeah. but no, he was super nice, uh, great chat, and he knew a lot about obviously about Team Great Britain and he had a lot of insight yeah. for us. And uh big thank you to Russell for coming on the show. Go check out uh the Bat Flips and Nerds podcast because it's great and check out all their writing. I wanna say they have a contributor for each MLB team, like a British you know, correspondent or something, which I thought I think is really cool. Go check out Russell on Twitter at R E S O M. So R E A S S O M. There we go. Sort of like Reesum, you know, like a Star Wars character. I don't know how I didn't think of that. Well, you know, listen, that's that's why we're both on this podcast, not just one of us. So anyway, listen, Pool C. Um, we're as I said before, Pool C is not going to discuss itself, and frankly. You know, this is a pool that you would assume maybe there's not so much to talk about because the United States is in it. So it's like, oh, okay, well, they're just going to the pool. Which is true. One, we don't know that. We do not know that. I assume that. But there's a little bit to talk about with the U.S. team, too. And it's not just, uh, oh, they have like an MVP candidate every single position. How interesting. Because that is cool. That is fun. But. I would not go so far as to say the U.S. team is overpowered in this tournament. Now, I would. I think I think you're being a little too harsh. I think everybody's being a little so. too harsh. Because, because we know Team USA backwards and forwards every single player, right? So we look at the yeah. offense and we go, highest caliber offense maybe the world has ever seen. You know what right. I mean? Well, on, to on be clear, one team. To be clear, we look at the offense and we go, oh! But like literally every single position on the field is just a perennial all star, right? And 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 I don't I don't know if the world has ever seen a lineup like that, and so we're obviously very excited for that. And initially, you know, the World Baseball Classic's weird. You know, it's at a bad time. Teams don't always want to let their players play. We knew pitching might be an issue, but they got like Clayton Kershaw, they got Nestor Cortez and stuff like that. And so it was like, okay, you know, they might not have the best of the best. You know, the Verlanders and the Scherzers and Degroms of the world, but. You know, I don't Kershaw's... think anybody expected at exactly. minimum Degrom to be there because DeGrom... exactly no nobody expected that yeah. and and so here's the thing so we kind of were like well we'll make do you know Clayton Kershaw can be their ace and you know they've got a lot of starting pitching talent around that and then right. Kershaw fell through Nestor Cortez fell through and stuff like that and so that is a bummer and I'm I'm bummed too but here's here's my thought process mm-hmm. I think people are are actually underrating the U.S just because of this factor because people are looking at it and they're going man the u.s lost so much pitching and i mean look at you like i was listening to baseball america's podcast today and i think they're great and i'm not trying to bash them but they're talking about it and they were like japan sends their absolute best guys which is true but they go you have otani yamamoto sasaki and um you darvish and so they yeah. went they went that's four aces or maybe three aces and like a very good number two and so they were like the u.s you know they're gonna have str- trouble competing with that mm-hmm. and i am of the opinion that i would take it pretty much any player in mlb over any player in npb and obviously there are exceptions shohei otani obviously came over to MLB and not only didn't miss a beat, became the best player in the league. Like it's not a direct one for one, but like, but like we're looking at these guys and we're going, Oh, Kyle Freeland, man, come on. If Kyle Freeland went over to NPB, he would be one of the top 10 pitchers in the league. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. I mean, I think that the counterpoint to this though is like 
two of the guys that Japan is putting out are already aces at the major league level. I mean, Darvish is probably at this point like he's probably like on the two. lower end of an ace. Yeah, he's taking a little bit of a step back. He's still very good though. Yeah, uh, Otani is a legit ace. I mean, Otani's probably the best player in the whole world. Yeah, I don't think that there's a whole lot of competition there. I mean, Trout is a better position player, but Trout doesn't pitch. That's the yeah. We don't we don't need to get into why Otani is the greatest player, right? Yeah. Um, like Sasaki is evident. Is it Sasaki or Yamamoto who's supposed to be getting posted soon? I I don't know. I think both of them are killer. Yeah, I mean, like these aren't. You know, it's not like these guys are just carving up NPB, but like you know they don't have any future at the major league level like obviously it might not translate but like i think a lot of people are really high on these guys you know even in terms of like them coming over to mlb like i think they legit have the best best, best starting pitching i i don't i don't necessarily think you're wrong i think you're probably right but but what i'm saying is i think we're like i don't know what the opposite of rose colored glasses are but like i think we're looking at it through like whatever the opposite of that is because we're looking at it and we're going man japan has the best of the best and the dr has the best of the best although the dr took suffered a couple of losses the dr too. took a lot and, of losses yeah they did and 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 sandy alcantara is obviously on a different level than anybody on the us staff but but right. i'm sorry i'm talking about japan here and yeah. here's my here's my thing the us has plenty of depth at the starting pitching level it, it's a lot of like number threes they've got lance lynn wainwright merrill kelly kyle freeland uh, i think i don't know if it's fair to call can't... merrill kelly a number three i feel like he's i feel like merrill kelly i mean he's the number two on the d-backs right behind gallon well he, here's i don't want to i don't get caught up in semantics here's what i'm getting right. at though None of them are aces. They're they're good pitchers. Every MLB team would love to have them, but they're not aces, right? And right. so we might look at it and 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 like I'm not even saying that that Japan doesn't have the best starting pitching in the in the tournament. I think they probably do. But here's what I'm saying though: like every single pitcher on the U.S. pitching staff would go over to Japan and be absolutely lights out. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably. And so it's like, like yo, Lance Lynn would be the best pitcher in MPB or like top five. Like Lance Lynn is excellent. He's an all-star in MLB. You know what I mean? Like Adam Wainwright was real was like pretty good last year. You know, like Kyle Freeland is like decent pitching at Coors Field. Like we're looking at as MLB fans and we're going like, man, Kyle Freeland. Like why isn't like Justin Verlander pitching for this team? And it's like, like Kyle Freeland would be the ace of pretty much any other pitching staff except for Japan and the Dominican Republic and stuff. And uh... can I can I can I make one more point? Can I make one more point? The other thing is, I think if you're like, there is no other place where starting pitching matters less than the World Baseball Classic, because you really only need four starters. Pitchers can't throw more than 65 pitches in the first round, and I think it goes up to like 80 and then 95. And dude, no MLB team is going to let their guy throw 95 pitches in the world. Like, it's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? So like, you're looking at maybe four innings out of your starting pitcher if he's cruising. You know what I mean? And so Mm. like, okay, fine. It's like, let's say you have a, a... um. Uh, like, let's say you have Kyle, like Kyle Freeland's not going to start for the U.S., but let's just say, let's take the worst starter. Let's say Kyle Freeland goes up against, you know, Shohei Otani. Dude, that's fine. You could bang with him for four out or for four innings. The thing with Team U.S. is that you're not really talking about them in the context of this pool, because I think everybody knows, like, there's almost no way the U.S. doesn't advance. There's almost no way the U.S. doesn't go undefeated in this pool like they might drop on new mexico that's it this uh this bullpen is very good 
Dude, this have a lot of guys who maybe stars. They have a lot of guys down, who maybe man. you don't know about. You know, like a lot of them kind of toil in obscurity because you know they're relievers. A couple of them are on the Rays. You know, this is sort of an unsung hero type team. Dude, these um, are like Devin Williams, Daniel Bard, David Bednar, Jason Adam was like came out of the woodwork. Nick Martinez, mm-hmm. Adam Ottavino, Brooks Raley's a good lefty. I forgot yeah. Brady Singer can start. Like, dude, these are excellent. Yeah, I think pitchers. Brady Miles Michaelis. Start. Yeah, like you, know, every single one of these pitchers, I am. I feel perfectly confident handing the ball to. You yeah. know what I mean? So I it's, mean, like, it's think... like I'm bummed like everybody else in the U.S. has suffered like such a loss of pitching. But like it's no problem. The Like yeah, I'm saying it right now. The U.S. will win the tournament. The U.S. will not win a, lose a game. You know, like they're going to lose any game. I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to lose a game. No. I mean, I guess if they go undefeated in pool play and they win the tournament, then they will go undefeated. Dude, but, their um... worst starter is like Miles Michaelis. Their worst starter is an MLB All-Star. And I guess like this past season, to see Japan until the finals. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I assuming they both make it that far, yeah. right? But so the the beast that they have to slay is the Dominican Republic, who we have not talked about in depth yet. We'll get into that next episode. Yeah, the Dominican Republic has better pitching, probably across the board. But I would have to look at their bullpen. I don't know about that. I think you their bullpen is kind of loaded too. Like they have a bunch of like elite relievers from what i remember um but like dude the team usa i mean anybody who's ranking them outside of the top three is a lunatic anybody who's ranking them outside of the top two is probably also a lunatic Um, i don't understand how anyone can rank them below number one like even if you say oh japan's pitching staff is a lot better than the u.s have we ever seen an offense to the to the level that has been compiled right now for the united states like and I understand like like first of all I just want to point out Japan just lost their best player and say Suzuki their best hitter I mean well, obviously yeah. their best non Otani hitter right. and, and and like okay they have the best of the best in NPB there haven't been that many NPB hitters that have worked out you know what I mean like I'm not that confident that Japanese hitting is on the same level as Japanese pitching I mean well I don't want to get ca- too caught up in Japan because again. I mean, we already talked about them kind of a lot. And, yeah, when you're talking about Team USA, the only other teams you're talking about are DR and Japan. Japan is the most successful team in tournament history. Uh, They do – they have had a lot of success with guys who really, you know, are very easy to sleep on. But looking at this team versus the DR, I mean, the the U.S. has the best offense – in the whole tournament and it's not even particularly close and the dr also has an awesome offense it's just i mean like you look at we have a i've sean's projected lineup up for uh team usa it takes the first guy who was not an mvp candidate every year is well i guess kyle tucker because he i mean he hasn't been up for that long right yeah, but he plays at an MVP level. Yeah, literally. literally I'll talk like... rules. The only guy who's been up for any length of time in the lineup who is not an MVP race every year is Jeff McNeil, who's batting ninth. <laughs> yeah, who who one is an injury replacement and two is still an All Star, and I think right. has a batting had a batting title last year. Yeah, so you got like... Trey Turner, who is if not the best shortstop in the league, you know, he's top two, top three. You have right. Mookie Betts. 
who is really only not the best outfielder in the game because Mike Trout's in the game. And then, wouldn't you know it, the next Lo and behold, year, Mike Trout. Uh, right. After that, you have Paul Goldschmidt. Reigning who, MVP. Yeah, reigning MVP. Uh, he was Paul Goldschmidt against the Phillies, but, you know, th- that was months ago at this point. And behind him, you have th- the best defensive third baseman in the game and an excellent hitter in his own right, Nolan Arenado. After that, you have Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker, who I'm mad at because he scourged the Phillies in the World Series. But you know what? Give me World Baseball Classic title, and we'll call it even. After that, you got Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo, home run derby champ, and also uh, home run hitter in the regular season. Big home run guy. Batting seventh. (laughs) Uh, Then you have JT Real Muto, best catcher in MLB still. Uh, Then you have batting title winner Jeff McNeil, batting ninth. Guys who are not in the lineup. You have Tim Anderson. I believe he also has a batting title, right? Uh, I'm I'm not a big Tim Anderson fan, but yeah, Tim Anderson's a good player. Okay, yeah, like Tim Anderson, Cedric Mullins. You're a huge fan. Come on, Cedric Mullins, Kyle Schwarber, Bobby Witt, like Will Smith, second best catcher in baseball. Like this is it's silly, man. Yeah, this is the most stacked lineup you will probably ever see. We we did forget a huge name, Kyle Higashioka. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. That one's yeah. that one's bizarre to me. I'm assuming that's just a uh, when you're carrying I don't three know how catchers. I mean, it's probably I guess they wanted a pitch framing guy or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like you you probably have him, you know, for defensive reasons, not for anything else. I don't think a lot of other teams are even carrying three catchers, are they? I think most carrying. Well, two. I think we're going to get into Mexico, which now only has one catcher, which there is interesting. Go. So um, look, Team USA. I mean, like. N- it's easy to say there's not a lot to say. I do want to say my piece on Team USA, why I'm a little worried about them. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I agree that starting pitching is going to be less important in this tournament just because I don't think pool play matters to the U.S., and that's when the pitch count is the most limited. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see this top-tier lineup all at once. You know, maybe against Mexico. And then after that, I, I bet it's a lot of like, okay, we want to make sure everybody plays. So they're yeah, all. Well, Mark, Mark DeRosa did say no. that in pool play, everybody will get their, everybody will get their time. And right, then yeah. after that, he was like, I'm going to roll with who's, who, who looks the best. Once you get out of pool play, like your starters, you know, they're, what's the, the semifinals cap? Is it 80 pitches? I think it's 80 around there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if you have, efficient pitchers which admittedly you know if you have strikeout pitchers 80 pitches is like five six innings at most but you know that being said like in semi-final and finals play if you have a team like japan i mean they can if they have to hold on to a one-run lead and they don't trust anybody in their bullpen like they can send one of their starters out if they have to i don't know if that's recommended but, you know, having four, it's probably safe to say four elite starters for Japan. I think that the DR has two elite starters and two who I would say are solid. I don't know much about Contreras and Johnny Cueto's old, but he's still okay. Uh, 
I like Team USA better against the Dominican Republic for sure. And against Japan, if the hitting is not cold, which is another thing I'm a little worried about because I feel like a lot of these guys are might come in cold just because, you know, it's basically still the offseason for a lot of these guys. In that situation, if pitching has to decide the tournament, then the U.S. is not as well set up as maybe the other two teams are. Well, here, here's the other thing, though. Like, it's not... It's not just about starting pitching. So, like, a team like Israel is going, okay, Dean Kramer's our guy. We got to throw him in the game. We need to win, and hopefully he can go, like, seven innings and and get you there. Team USA isn't in that position because, worst-case scenario, you throw Brady Singer or something out there against Japan or the DR. Let's say he gives up five runs, right? Right. I'm not – like, I'm not convinced that that's a losing game. But let's say you throw Brady Singer out there. He gives up two runs over three innings, right? You you can just dude, you have an incredible bullpen. You know what I mean? Just well, run and you, dude, you, you can, do you also can work, later you can in the tournament. You, you have your starters also. Exactly. Like if, exactly. If they put Brady Singer out there and then they go to Merrill Kelly, I still think that that is not as good as maybe you know how Japan could use two starters. But again, they don't have to worry about Japan until the finals. So yeah, I, I'm not I'm not trying to say the U.S. is as good as Japan, but what I'm trying to say is like, is the gap that big that you're willing to put Japan over the U.S. or is it like, oh, Japan might have a little bit of an edge? Now let's look at the U.S. offense that puts everyone else to shame. Right. You know what I, I mean? think it all comes down to what do you expect offense to carry the tournament or pitching? Which you know, if doesn't you offense expect... kind of always carry the tournament? Um, does it? I mean, I feel like. I mean, the U.S. won a lot of nail biters in the last tournament, and they won the tournament uh, largely on their starting pitching. Right? It was like, well, didn't uh, they? Didn't they win the championship? The game like eight zero? Did they? I'm pretty sure. But I mean, a lot of it was like Marcus Stroman, like pitching his heart out. Yeah, whatever. yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. Japan, Japan won all of their tournaments with. They've won twice, right? Yeah, with with Dice K as MVP, both. Yeah, times. I mean, like they they won with pitching, and like scratching out runs with you know small ball, which I'm not a small ball guy, but if your hitters are cold, then sometimes that's the only way you're going to score runs. We saw that personally with the Phillies in the beginning of the playoffs when they were playing a lot of small ball because they just weren't really getting a whole lot of hits. <laughs> And they, they made them stand up. And then later in the playoffs, they just started hitting tons of homers, which I thought was awesome. I'm here for that. So I guess for the U.S., we got to move on because there's, you know, other teams in this in this pool. For the U.S., if you think that the offense is going to come out and be cold, there's something to worry about. If you trust that all these MVP hitters are going to show up, or even like some of them, I would say even if half your lineup, if half if half your lineup falls down, you have all stars on the bench that you could try. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm just I'm just I just don't see a way yeah. the US falls apart. Like you know what right. I mean? Like Yeah, I it mean could happen. Seen, I could be I could be we've wrong. Seen could super happen. teams fall apart before in MLB. You know, we've seen heavy favorites just inexplicably fall apart. But yeah. You know, this is a little bit different than, you know, a good MLB team. This is the best lineup ever created. But let's move on 
because they're if you want to talk about starting pitching, probably the second best team in this division. I think definitely division pool. Uh, I think definitely the second best. And one of the best teams in the tournament, frankly, is uh, Mexico, who I expect to be the runner-up in this pool. And I expect it to be largely on the strength of their starters. So um, for Team Mexico, uh, the, the big thing that I do want to talk about, as I mentioned, is their starting rotation, which, frankly, is one of the best in the entire tournament so you have julio arias as their ace amazing you know he is an ace maybe the second best pitcher in the whole tournament um mm. they, uh, it's that uh, might be up in the air because alcantara is very best. good very good yeah we'll leave, we can leave it at that very yeah good. i mean it, it doesn't matter where he ranks necessarily he's top five for sure then you have Patrick Sandoval, who was sort of sneaky good for the Angels last year and the year before. After that, you have Taiwan Walker, new Philly. Uh, Taiwan Walker has been pretty solid. Solid. Um, he's he's not like the most exciting pitcher in the world, but he's a solid starter. And then their number four is Jose Urquidy. Who, who is very is, good for the Astros. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a hell of a rotation. So the problem... I think is, that's better than the. I think that's better than the U.S. rotation. Those that is four, definitively I think those, better than. I think. The US. Those, I mean, obviously, the U.S. has a ton of depth because they have like eight good, good starters. But right. I think those four are better than any combination of four the U.S. could roll out there. Yeah, and Urias is better than anybody on the U.S. Well, team. of course, yeah. Of course. Um, their bullpen, aside from Gallegos, from Giovanni Gallegos of the Cardinals, yeah, is not very good. Well, they they have a, they have a lot of. There's a lot of like, like, like I think Javier Javier Assad is like a, an interesting young guy for the Cubs. Luis Sessa is what he is. He's kind of a jag in the majors. Adrian yeah. Martinez. They have the corpse of Ali Perez. Um, yeah. Jojo Romero. Philly's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they have they have a lot of guys who are like you know again like you know on the on the world stage they'll play up like Jojo Romero right. might be not, nothing nothing crazy in mlb but he'll definitely get outs in the world baseball classic yeah um they do have a couple of i don't remember which ones are which but a couple of these guys in this bullpen are mexican league guys the mexican league is i don't it's not as good as like kbo or npb i don't know how it compares to the taiwan league but you know i my impression of the Mexican league, and this is this is a hot take. I, I haven't done any research into this, is that it's not as high a level as you know a lot of these other world leagues out there. So I I don't necessarily trust these dudes who are you know laboring in the Mexican league. Uh, they again they do have some MLB arms in their bullpen. None of them are super impressive. Gallegos is impressive. Yeah, Gallegos is good. Gallegos is a good pitcher. So he he's sort of their closer by default with a, with an excellent name. Yes, yes, that is also true. Now, should Look. we jump over to the hitting? They they did yeah. suffer a, a big loss recently. Yes, in the so whole Alejandro Kirk saga, yeah, which was so kind of a mess. He was supposed to be their catcher, and that hurt because Austin Barnes is a, is a pretty good player. He's kind of an MLB backup, right? 
Yeah, I think he's like a pretty good defender, kind of fast for a catcher, but not that much of a hitter. But you know, on the world stage, he'll be he'll be good. There's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with Austin Barnes. Yeah, I mean, like he's an MLB catcher. Like, but uh, compared to Alejandro Kirk, it's not the same. Yeah, Uh, around the infield, this is I'm getting this all from Sean's projections, but you know, I trust him. I have, I'm pretty sure it's Joey Manessis. At first base, but I like to call him Joey Manesis. It makes it sound like a disease. <laughs> like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. You know, I talked to your doctor. You know, we looked over your symptoms, and it, it's looking like you have Joey Manesis. Yeah, he came down with hypervascular Manesis. Yeah, a little hypervascular Joey Manesis. <laughs> so, um, then you have. I'm Luis sorry, Arias. man. There was nothing that could be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's terminal. Term, they have a terminal case of Joey Manesis at first base. I kind of want to make this a joke now. I like this, like a running joke. Um, they have at second base, uh, Luis Arias, who is like solid. He's solid. Like he's kind of a low average, good power guy. From what I remember, yeah, he was like sneaky good for the for the Brewers. Yeah, I mean, like, and you know, that's fine. That's there's no problem there. Uh, shortstop, they have Alan Trejo, who I actually don't know a whole lot about. Fringe, fringe major leaguer, I think. Right. Nothing, um, nothing that's to write why I don't about. know a lot about but, him. But a major leaguer. Yeah. Um, at third base, they have Isaac Paredes, who is he, young. He started off really hot for the Rays. Yeah. Young, has good power. He's on the Rays, and the Rays seem to have a real eye for talent. You know, they've proven this over a long period of time. So, uh, you know, the their infield is pretty good. I don't think that it's w- one of the better infields. I mean, maybe it is just because the bottom 10 of this tournament is just not putting out major league talent on a lot of these infields. Um, uh, yeah, they're their I think, outfield. I think of the top, I think you mean like of the top tier teams. It's not quite yeah. on yeah. the, I mean, yeah, because they don't have, you know, Mach- Machado and stuff. Yeah, out there, but but like these guys can hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it shouldn't be a problem. They also have Jonathan Aranda on the bench, who's a big leaguer. So so in Mexico's outfield, they do have Randy Rosarena, as you said. Yeah, star, star in the star making. Star in the making. Very very good player. Alex Verdugo, underwhelming because of what people said he would be, but a decent major leaguer. Yeah, um, he, he's a starter, you know. Yeah, he he's he's good. He's he's not like the the all star that that he was hyped as but he's a he's a good player right and then in center field they could go with jaron duran who's been a little disappointing on the red Sox, but he's still young or they could go with alec yeah. thomas jaron duran who famously just just didn't move shrugged off foul fly ball. ball or fly balls in center field <laughs> there, there's got to be a problem with the visibility in, in fenway they got to fix that because that was funny. no i like it better i like it better when he just gave up <laughs> yeah i guess because i'm not a red Sox fan maybe i don't care that much um <laughs> or or I hope they go with Alec Thomas, who's part of the super, super exciting Diamondbacks core, who's a, a mm. big time prospect, and it would be a lot of fun to watch him play. But yeah, that, way, that's one of the great things about the World Baseball Classic is you get to see these prospects come up and play oh, yeah. against major leaguers uh, kind of before their time a lot of the time. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, oh, and I, I want to mention because we, we, I think we were about to, to go past him. They have Brewers great Rowdy Tejas at, at DH, who's a, a oh yeah, very we good forgot hitter. about him. Yeah. He's a very good hitter. So like that, that is a good lineup. That's a yeah. 
all major leaguers, which is a lot more than a lot of teams can boast. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's pretty much good major leaguers. You know, the Alan Trejos of the world are like nothing special. But like right. other than that, like it's 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 good. You know what I mean? Like those are good players. I feel very yeah. confident about it's that. It's it's a little bit of a top heavy lineup. Like the bottom of this lineup doesn't look very good. But if that's the worst thing you can say about a lineup, that's not that bad. Right. They Having are, like two holes in your lineup isn't the end of the world. Yeah, they they are probably gonna score plenty of runs and they are going to pitch well. I don't think there's much uh controversy. I think they're gonna come out of pool play pretty handily. Well, should we pivot to the, the I think the only team that could give them a run for their money to qual to get out of pool pool? pool? Yes, we should. Let me uh right. pull the roster up real quick. So I'll I'll get started. <laughs> Team Columbia, I think, is the the firm number three in this pool. Right, ahead a little of bit Canada of a dark and Great horse. Britain. Yeah, I, I they've suffered some losses. They they Donovan Solano pulled out. Um, Jonathan India isn't going to yeah. play. But but well, okay. So let's let's get started. Mm. They're pitching their rotation, headlined by Jose Quintana. Very mm. good, very good. This past year had a renaissance. Right. He kind of. You know, he kind of started to, to sputter the major league level the past couple of years, but he was excellent last year for the Pirates and, and the Cardinals. Yeah, he kind of reinvented himself a little bit. Exactly, exactly. Um, Julio Tehran, who hasn't been what he used to be at the major league level in a few years, but that's still a, a you know guy with, what, 10 years in the big leagues who is an all-star, yeah. and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Julio Tehran fare pretty well in this. Um, mm-hmm. Raver San Martin is a guy uh, in the Reds organization. I don't think he's anything special, but again, a major leaguer. I don't right. know who their I don't know who their third starter would be. They got a uh, Luis Patino, I think. Oh, that's right, Luis Patino. Okay, yeah. so Lu- Luis Patino for a second. I don't see him on here on this roster. I'm looking at weird. Um, maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't commit. I was kind of going off the Sean uh perspective yeah, think, roster because he hasn't put out the no i think luis patino might be out no luis patino okay well and that's, that's actually a bummer well anyway, right, anyway well then i don't know who <laughs> they, they don't have a ton of they, they don't have a ton of a ton of big leaguers they, like they've john got romero <laughs> yeah i was gonna say the bullpen they've got yo i think it's yon romero it i'm yon? not sure maybe i don't know tyrone yeah, we'll go with yon. Um, William Cuevas, these were like depth major league guys, but they do have one guy. Right. Nabil Creesmont is very yes. good on the Padres. He's he's under the radar, he's not especially he doesn't get saves, you know, but he he's a very solid pitcher. And so I think he's I don't gonna think be their number pitching. one guy out of the bullpen for sure. Yeah, absolutely. He's gonna be the first guy when they get in trouble. I don't think their pitching is anywhere close to, to Mexico's in the in the rotation or the bullpen, really. It's it's not but, but I think it it is good enough that if they can scratch out a couple of runs, they could win some games. You know what I mean? Like they're not just going to fall apart. You know? Yeah, so, this is a team that they do not have the potential to steal one from the United States, in my opinion. But no, no, they no. do have the potential to maybe steal one from Mexico. I don't think that's very likely, but they could. No, no, I don't think it's likely either. I think this team would have looked a lot better with Solano in India, but I think even without them, yeah. I would give them like a thirty percent chance to win against Mexico. Like, I don't think it's likely. I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting my money. I mean, I'm not a yeah. betting man, but I'm putting my money on Mexico. But like, well, yeah. if it happened, I would not be. I'd be like, 
wow who who you know weird yeah, interesting you know but i wouldn't be like oh my god yeah it wouldn't be like you know some of the other upsets that are possible um right, exactly. but going to their their hitting uh they unfortunately <laughs> their pitching is not as good as mexico or the u.s it uh by a fairly wide margin and they also suffer from the problem of their pitching is their strength. <laughs> their <laughs> well, hitting is well, wait, wait. not They do great. have Mexico beat in one area. They have all the catchers that Mexico is evidently looking for. That's true. They have They've four got... catchers, and Mexico <laughs> has one. Yeah, I don't know who Gustavo Campero is, but they have Jorge Alfaro, Philly's legend, who yeah. is decent, like, like kind of like an Austin Barnes type, a major league backup. Right. He's kind of an athletic guy. Elias Diaz, who has shown kind of flashes with the Rockies, but I think he is what he is at this point. He's a he's, right. a, he's a major league backup, and Mabry's Valoria is like the ultimate depth guy. But right. that's three major leaguers. Now they I do got... want to mention Alfaro. From what I can tell, he seems like he crushes in like the Caribbean series. So he he seems like he's the kind of guy who could go off in a tournament like this just because he's not going to be seeing MLB pitching the entire time or good MLB pitching maybe is more accurate uh, against the U.S. and against Mexico yeah you're, you're going to be seeing a lot of tough pitchers but against Canada against Britain you'll see some pitchers that a guy like Alfaro might be able to feast on a little easier so I wouldn't be shocked if Alfaro had a good tournament yeah, I think I think he's a decent player. He's not like a bad major leaguer. He's just not really an exceptional major leaguer. But right, I I, I like Alfaro. I, I think the problem is they just don't have a lot of depth on offense. They've got a lot right. of fringe major league guys like Adrian Sanchez got into some games with the Nationals. Yeah, Dilson, Dilson Herrera, Herrera. Yeah. like uh, they do have a couple of guys though who are are worth yeah you know, worth a look. Um, in the infield. Gio Urshela is a very good player. Yeah, he is very good. And he can play um, all over, which is nice. Yeah, he he's probably their best player. I don't think that's particularly controversial. Um, I do want to mention one of my favorite names of all time, Jolbert Cabrera is their manager. And yeah, I realize I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Holbert, but I Holbert is just as funny. I thought it was Jolbert when I was a kid. And I'm not changing it. But back to, you know, they're hitting. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just want to counter you because when you said one of the greatest names of all time, I really thought you were going to go in for Tito Polo. That is a good name as well. That's a great I like, name. I like Jolbert a little better. No, for, their, yeah. for their hitting. Um, So we, everybody likes Gio Urshela. Yankees fans are really kicking themselves that they basically traded Gio Urshela for nothing. For, no, they for Josh Donaldson's just, contract. Yeah, they, they, they traded Gio Urshela for the privilege of paying Josh Donaldson to strike out on pitches down the middle all year <laughs> and, you know, bat flip like cans of corn to center field. Um, yeah, they, they do have one guy that doesn't get a lot of hype in the major league level, but Harold Ramirez in the outfield, yes. probably a corner outfielder, he's a good player. He hits pretty well he is. on the race. He, he, he hit the, the walk-off homer to win the Caribbean series this year, right? That was I don't I don't know. I don't know. But but I like Harold Ramirez, man. He he's a good, good player. And Oscar Mercado, kind of a yeah. failed prospect, isn't what everybody wanted him to be. But he's he's a major leaguer. You know what yeah. I mean? The guy like I wanted to bring up on the infield is uh, Jordan Diaz. So uh, Jordan Diaz is a prospect in, I believe, still the A's system. Let's check. 
He's got an A um, hat on in his picture. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, yeah, so he's in the A system still. Um, Jordan Diaz had a really good year in the minors last year. Um, he is 22. So he seems like he's an up-and-coming prospect. The A's are good at developing prospects. They're just not good at turning that into a major league roster that's worth anything. So I like Jordan Diaz. Uh, he's probably the guy on this team that I'm going to pay the most attention to outside of maybe Urshela. Um, but he he's kind of an interesting guy that you can uh, you can watch this team and and have an eye towards the future. So uh, I, the the Tom recommendation look to Jordan Diaz on this team. Uh, my optimistic pick for team MVP is probably Alfaro. The uh, the pragmatic part of me is like, dude, it's gonna be Urshela, but you know, you never know. Um, I'll go. I'll go Harold Ramirez. You gonna go Harold Ramirez? Yeah, I like okay. him. I think he's an underrated hitter. And uh, yeah, for your Cy Young, I mean, you're you're looking at Quintana probably, maybe Chris Mott if he has a great series, and maybe Quintana struggles a little bit, which Quintana can struggle, so it's not not out of the realm of possibility. But uh, ultimately, we're we're looking at Columbia to finish third. They're not a bad yeah. team. They're just no. in the wrong pool, frankly. No, I, I think they're the kind of team that if they were in the Italy, Cuba, Netherlands pool, they'd be right there with them. Yeah, we would probably have a lot more to talk about in terms of them maybe advancing. Um, again, they would just run into Japan or Korea, and then it would be over. But you advance out of pool play, that's impressive, especially for a team like Colombia. Um, next yeah. on our list. This one... I have a bone to pick with with the MLB Twitter account about this team. Uh, Canada. <laughs> so, Canada does have a lot of MLB talent available to them, and they have historically in this, this tournament. But, like, looking over their roster that they, they've put out, it's just – I'm just not that impressed. They They are perennial – underachievers yeah they were and, terrible last time which dude, that doesn't bro. mean anything for this time but uh they hit 155 in the tournament and they hit zero home runs so yeah, this, this is this team does not have a lot of depth yeah this team doesn't have a lot of depth and the the guys that they have are uh, well okay to be fair uh Bo Naylor is kind of a solid prospect I think a lot of people like him well, uh, he look, seems like he's, he's got. When good we get power. into the offense, I, they have some good young players on offense. But yeah. can we can we just before we get into that talk about how much of a graveyard this pitching staff is? Yeah, you want to start I, with the you want to start I, with the bad news, dude. They're grave robbing. Like, look at look at. Yeah. Can I list you some names? Andrew Albers, born in 1985. Yeah, Phillies legend Philippe Amont. John yeah. Axford is 40 years old, and John Axford was very shaky for a long time in the major leagues. Like you're not you're not likely to get I don't like, want to besmirch John Axford. He he was a pretty good major league player, but John Axford's forty years old. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Lowen is thirty nine or thirty eight, I guess. Scott Matheson is thirty nine, Philly's legend. And yeah, Scott Matheson was never good at 
even when he wasn't like, 39. Like the the only like active major leaguers that they have that are any good. Matt Brash, I do like. He's a nice a nice young player for the for the Mariners. Right. Cal Quantrill's their ace. He's pretty good. I like Cal Quantrill. Yeah. Rob Zestrizny was like a depth lefty guy for the for the Mets this year. That's it. And then they've got yeah. they've got a couple of like like young prospects like I don't know who some of these people are, man. But like they've got yeah, I don't know who Indigo Diaz is. Yeah, I don't know who that is. RJ I mean, Mitch... Frure. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Bratt is nineteen. Like I'm sure he's got something. But like, dude, this pitching I mean, hey, it's it's they'll be playing against not quite major league level competition, some of them. And it's a it's tournament style baseball. Maybe Adam Lowen will go out there and you know what I mean, turns him yeah, tear it up. I uh... dude, John Axford is looking old in this picture. <laughs> yeah, wow. here's the problem with Canada: they're gonna have to hit to win, and I, I and they they have some good players on offense, but nothing crazy. And I think yeah, they have. I think have that's what they need some is something player. crazy. Okay, so they they have two great players. Freddie Freeman is an elite hitter, and Tyler O'Neill is a, a really good hitter. Yeah, Tyler O'Neill is very good, and he's an excellent that, hitter, and he can and he can run really well. Yeah, Tyler after that, you got, like, Abraham Toro. Yeah, I mean, like Bo Naylor, who I, I yeah. was talking about. Bo Naylor sounds like he's going to be a very good player, or at least he, he has a lot of potential to be a very good yeah. player. Yeah, yeah. So, and then I mean, it's a lot of, like, Edouard Julien, I think, is, like, a, a very well-regarded prospect. Otto Lopez is kind of a, a pretty good young prospect. Jared Young got a cup of coffee with the Cubs. Right. I think Owen he got as a the, pretty – uh, as Trev called it on uh, John Boy, on uh, talking baseball, he called it. He got a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I like. That. He was like, "Yeah, that guy got a drink last year," and I was like, <laughs> "Stolen." I'll be keeping that. He he got another cup of coffee. Guy Jacob Robson, Australian yeah. Baseball League legend, Jacob Robson. Um, Denzel Clark, I think, is a pretty good prospect. Owen Casey's a pretty good prospect. Like. Like the, I don't think this is a bad team by any means. I just don't think it's a particularly good team. And and, and I'll give you a sneak peek. I don't know if we're actually going to do this, but on my break at work today, I sat down and just looked through all the pool play games, so like the first round games, and right. I just picked a winner for each one. I have Canada going zero and four. I have Canada so, losing. To, I have so Canada you, losing to Great Britain. You got Canada going back to qualifiers. That, I have Canada going back. That's to rough. <laughs> That's a, that is admittedly, I think, a hot take. I think a lot of people yeah. are, would pick Canada over Great Britain. But here's here's my thinking. I think Great Britain, and we'll get into them with Russell, obviously. But right, I think Great Britain kind of has a Canada level offense. Like Trace Thompson's a decent. Well, I mean, obviously they don't have anything to rival with Freddie Freeman, but like Trace Thompson's a decent player. And then yeah. they've they've got some young guys who can hit, and they've got Harry Ford who who has been excellent. Yeah, I I just I don't know. I kind of like I don't know what it, I'm just like. I think I think I think they're in the same boat where like I'd give Great Britain like a 35, 40 percent chance to win that game against Canada. Like, I don't think they're favored. I just uh, I don't know. Can I'm, I'm going with my gut here and I hate when people go with, you know, feelings with baseball because I think it's silly most of the time. But um, yeah, that's that's what we're supposed to do on our show. So I'm going to go I'm going to go for it. I just think Canada continues to underperform. They always underperform. I like Canada. I don't have anything against them. I wore a Canada hoodie in our Russell, our Russell interview. That's I have true. nothing against Canada. No, nothing wrong with it. I'd love to see them do well too because I think they're fun. I just uh, I don't see it happening, man. I don't know why. I just yeah, I don't. 
They're a deeply unimpressive roster. And I think what, yeah. what bothers me about it so much is I feel like I know that Canada can do better. Oh, dude, if they wanted to. They, I mean, they lost Nick Pavetta. Vlad Guerrero Jr. was always a long shot, but theoretically he could have. You know what I mean? Like, like, like yeah. Even Joey Votto. I mean, I know that Votto right. has issues with the World Baseball Classic. And also I think – He's Isn't also he hurt, hurt right now? Yeah, he's he's coming yeah. off of surgery. So, um, but like, it, you know that he could. Yeah, and even, like, even like like Charles even, LeBlanc was like yeah, a even good, he was good on the Votto is going to be better than almost everybody on this roster. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and they definitely had some more pitching that they would be able to get. Like I said, Pavetta, um, yeah. Rowan Wick, uh, Jamison Tyone. Like, like they, they, if if they if Canada got all their guys, I would like them a lot. I think they yeah. would. They, they would, would actually. I, th- I would have them ahead of Colombia. I think they would be able to handle Mexico. I don't know if they would win, but I think they would be able to hang in yeah. there with them. But obviously, that didn't uh, come yeah, to pass. They, they would be the third best team, and they would be close to Mexico. I don't think they would beat them, like you said. But right, right now, if Canada plays Mexico, like it, Mexico has almost a hundred percent chance of winning. Yeah, which I, is I really think if, sad. If, if I'm Canada, my plan here is. You know, if I'm Canada, I, I'm going in thinking I'm going to beat Great Britain. I'm going in thinking yeah. I can beat Colombia. If I'm Canada, I know I'm going to lose against the U.S., so I'm throwing Cal Quantrill against Mexico and hoping that I can sneak one out and move on. Um, which, again, All if right. that happened, I wouldn't be completely flabbergasted. Like, it would, you know what I mean? That's tournament baseball. It could happen. If Cal Quantrill shuts them down and they get three or four runs, then yeah. all you got to do is beat Colombia and Great Britain. It, it would be cool. It would be cool, man. Like, I like Canada. I, I don't have anything against them. Uh, um, I am rooting against that because I think that would make for a really stupid semifinal game. Yeah, it would be lame. Where, like, um, like cool what, story, the Dominican though. Republic just walks to the finals because they get to play against... <laughs> uh, yeah. No, they, they walk to the, the semifinals because they get to play against Canada. And then yeah. the yeah. U.S. has to play, what, uh, probably Venezuela. Yeah, whoever finishes second in that. Um, yeah. Although he, here here is my thing though, and I'm I'm trying to like will this into existence, and this is also where why I'm I want Great Britain to win. Yeah. Um, obviously, this is all a moot point if they expand. If they expand the tournament again, then I'm assuming everybody's requalifies again. But let's let's act on sure. the assumption they don't do that. If they don't expand again, then the team that finishes last in each pool will have to requalify. Mm-hmm. And if Great Britain does that, Great Britain was kind of on a knife's edge when they qualified this time, right? Like that game could have gone either way. And then who knows when they face Czech Republic and all that. And I think great Britain, um, kind of the stars aligned. They got Vance Worley and they got Harry Ford and stuff. And I I don't think that will happen in the next qualifier. And obviously who knows what's going to happen. There could be an English superstar coming up. Like I have no idea, but, um, here's my thing though. If Great Britain gets sent back to the qualifiers, I think there's a not insignificant chance that they don't qualify again, which I don't want to see happen because it's a great right. story. I like Great Britain. I want them to do well, and I want Gabriel Rincones to play in the World Baseball Classic next year. Yeah. yeah, I think, and if, if, if Ken- Great Britain, if Great Britain doesn't have to go back to qualifiers, like if Britain wins any games in this tournament, Britain and the Czech Republic both have this going for them where if they win any games in this tournament and they don't have to go back to qualifiers that's like by default the biggest moment in european baseball history that is more than you could ask for yeah, yeah because so, i think i think realistically you're going in looking at oh and four for great britain and hoping you right. go one and three 
Yeah. Um, and if they if they do go one and three, uh, we know that Jazz Chisholm wanted to play. Yeah. And it's it seems like he just backed out because the center field job opened up. And I think I think the Marlins also field. had the right to block him because he spent I think what was it was it sixty days or more on the IL. He was on the IL for a long time. Yeah, I, I think they had so, the right yeah. to block him, so they probably sat him down and were like, "Look, you're learning a new position, and you were hurt." And he was like, All right, "Yeah, right. Uh, that's, the, ca- yeah, that's so Canada." I, think... I have him. I have him going zero oh and four. What yeah. do you think, Tom? One? Or are you assuming you're going one and three? I don't know. I don't think they're worse than Great Britain, but I I don't think that a either. lot closer than it should be. Frankly, I don't. I don't Great think Britain, they're worse than Great Britain. Great Britain was leaning on having Jazz Chisholm. Uh, I th- they would be a lot better with Rincones also, but he's another guy who I think got held back for injuries. I think that that's I think we'll discuss that with Russell. Um, if they had those two, Great Britain would be better than Canada. I don't think it would be, you know, yeah. out of the realm of possibility to say uh, that. Josh Naylor was another huge loss. Yes, that too. That was a bad one, man. So, looking at this Canada team, I'm not confident that they don't go 0-4, frankly. Like, if Quantrill doesn't show up, like, if he has, you know, if he's in, like, a dead arm or whatever and he has a bad tournament, they will probably go 0-4. Unless Freeman just kills it. I don't even think it's that because I don't think they're throwing Quantrill. Because, I don't, like... The only game that I think you can realistically peg Canada to win is Great Britain. I mean, obviously they could beat Colombia. That's not really that crazy of a take, but I like Colombia better. And and right. you look at Canada and you go, okay, they can beat Great Britain, but I don't think they're going to be throwing Quantrill against them because that would be just punting the rest of the games. I mm-hmm. think they're going to line Quantrill up to p- pitch against the U.S. or Mexico. So if you're not throwing Quantrill against Great Britain, who like I don't, dude, I don't know who else they start. Matt Brash. They said, like, he could be a starter, but they said he's going to relieve. So, like, I don't Yeah, I was going to say, isn't Brash not really stretched out? Yeah, I don't know who they have. Like, Andrew Albers started in the major leagues. He's, like, 37 years old. Like, what do you do here? Adam Lowen? Like, I, don't, I mean, they might have a minor leaguer that I don't know about, but, like, this is not good, you know? Yeah. Well, like, if you're, if you're Great Britain and you throw Vance Worley out there against Canada, I don't think that's that crazy to think you might be able to win. Yeah, that's a winnable game for sure. You know what? I think that the brave take is to say Canada 0 and 4. I might be willing to get on board with that, though. Because I'm just not confident in this Canada roster at all. I think they have. It's not even that they're putting out fringe guys, it's they're putting out fringe guys who are old. Yeah, fringe guys from 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're putting out guys who were fringy when like the Royals were in the World Series. You know? <laughs> so yeah, Canada, not great. Um, they're also just there's a lot less excitement there. Like Britain has some prospects that we'll talk about. Um, Harry Ford is one of the best prospects in the game. Um, they have that guy Matt Kaperniak. I think is that his yeah. name? Yeah, yep. I mean there's a couple other guys who Russell will bring up. Um, and we should get to that, but like Great Britain is a lot more exciting than Canada. Canada seems to me like a team that just didn't really try, and that kind of bums me out. No, I don't think it's that. I think they just got torpedoed by decommitments and, and injuries. You know, I mean, I think Canada would love to have 
Pavetta and Votto and Josh Naylor and, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. and stuff. And I think it right. just, you know. But it strikes me like, like uh, was it the 2009 U.S. team? Like, we knew that the U.S. could put out so much better of a team. And then you go out there and it's like Mark DeRosa. Jimmy I don't think Rollins. that's fair, though. I don't. Th- I will. I'll, I want to stick up for Canada here, though. I don't think that's fair because when you look at the U.S., you go every single major leaguer that it wasn't born abroad is eligible. So, like right. the replacement level is all stars, and yet yeah. you're throwing Mark DeRosa out there and stuff. When Canada, when you look at it and you go, "Oh man, Josh Naylor decommitted," like I don't know who, like who your first baseman is. It's some minor leaguer, you know. Like like they don't have a whole major league roster to 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 fill in with. So it really is like. Nick Pavetta pulls out and then I don't know who your other starter, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it, it is a shame because like it, it is a bummer to see them rolling John Axford out there, but it's like John Axford did pitch in the majors in 2021. Like right. he's kind of a legend of Canadian baseball. You might as well roll him out there instead of some double a guy. You know what I mean? Like why not? Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, I, I, I feel for Canada. I'm sure whoever put, you know, put the roster together would have loved to have Pavetta and, and all those guys. And it just right. happened. It's, it's so, a shame. So the bone I have to pick is uh, the the World Baseball Classic uh, Twitter account, which is uh, MLB.com run. Uh, they put out their, their team rankings, and Canada's eighth. Yeah, that is inexcusable. <laughs> like, Korea is tenth. Italy is ninth. Like, Italy has more, <laughs> like, usable major leaguers than Canada does. I don't understand. I don't uh, understand. And and like Korea, come on, like Korea's a good team. Like, yeah, like like here? maybe I mean Freeman's probably better than anybody on Korea, unless uh, it was a Jung Ho Lee, unless he's just a stud when he comes over to the MLB. But he is not here yet. Um, still a great player, but it it would be a really hot take to say he's better than Freeman. Yeah, I don't feel confident. So Freeman. It would be better than anybody on the Korean team. But, like, the floor on the Korean team is a lot higher than the floor on the Canada team. <laughs> yeah. In my opinion. In my opinion. There has been some really bad World Baseball Classic takes lately. Yeah, I think that Canada's getting a lot of a credit because they have been good in the past. And I think they've they've overperformed a little bit at times. Like, I think they made it. I think they kind of gave the U.S. a run for their money in uh, not the past one, what, 2013? Maybe. They got in that brawl, which was cool. Yeah. Like, they they have been good, and they can put good players out there. So I think that's why Canada might be getting a little bit of extra street cred. But you look at the guys they're putting out there as we've beaten to death now. They're just – they're not that good, you know. And frankly, you know, I kind of – I look at them and I kind of go like this. I despise him. Yep, that's, pretty much. That's a lot of what I have to say about Canada's roster. But anyway, yeah. let's we've um, beaten, we've beaten Canada to death. Let's kick yeah, it over. We really should have only Russell. talked about Canada for five minutes. So let's <laughs> uh, so Here, let's let's go to Russell. Yeah, here's our interview with Russell about Team GB. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to the baseball podcast. We're here with our guests today. We have a special guest. Not a lot of people are out there becoming experts on Team Great Britain, but you know what? We found arguably the foremost among them, I would say. Many would say, not just me. Um, this is uh, Russell Eason. That's how you say it, right? Yep, you got it in Russell one. Russell Eason. 
So, uh, Russell, tell us a little bit about yourself. You are from the United Kingdom, right? You're from Britain. Uh, where are you from in Britain? So, yeah, I'm currently, I'm located in London. Uh, if any of you are uh, followers of the uh, English Premier League, I live right next to Emirates Stadium. It's literally about, Arsenal's pitch is literally about 100 metres behind my flat. So that's where I, I'm based in London. I'm a mm -hmm. country, country boy originally from a place called Shropshire, which... I would guess a vast majority of your listeners will have no idea where it is, and that's probably right. right. You shouldn't know where it is. Nothing happens there. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing 75% of our listeners, which is <laughs> six people, you know, probably don't know where that is. We probably have at least one listener who doesn't know where London is. So, you know, that's frankly, that's kind of what happens when you live in America. You know, everybody has to worry about where you are. <laughs> this is, this is, I would call it our cross to bear, frankly. But um, okay, so for for those who don't know, uh, baseball and Great Britain are not exactly fast friends, or at least they haven't been. So, uh, as a person from Great Britain who is into baseball, how did this come about? You know, how did you guys meet? So, baseball for me is something that. I watched a little bit when I was younger because in the UK there used to be a program called MLB on five, which was like the channel five. Mm -hmm. And they used to show one or two games a week at like three o'clock in the morning, UK time. Oh yeah. Um, my dad has traveled quite a bit in his career and he picked up a load of sports that he liked to watch. So he would record an episode or an episode, a game and then would mm. watch it over the week, like half an hour of time, whatever his like allocated TV slot was in the evening when my mom or my sister didn't have control of the TV, right. he would watch like half an hour of baseball. And so I kind of watched a bit of baseball at that time. We're talking kind of like late 90s, kind of into the early 2000s. I watched a little bit here or there, too, so I kind of had a rough idea of who it was. Mm -hmm. But I kind of didn't really follow it much of it on afterwards. It wasn't until we're talking like 2012 when I started to actually really get into to baseball. I love sport. I've played rugby for most of my life. That's probably the main sport that I watch, but being British, I kind of have a like West Brom as the football team I support and kind of did all of that stuff. I got right. really pissed off with football. It was kind of, to me, it was the time when it was just cheating was just what everybody was doing. It was the diving. It was Luis right. Suarez at his prime. If you were biting and everything. And it just, I got really knocked off. And so I right. was like, you know what? I want to, find another sport to kind of enjoy and right. thankfully mlb tv existed and for it was literally about a hundred quid you could watch all mlb games because in the uk there's no blackouts on mlb tv oh, dude. There's, there's, there's nobody there's no local channel that's carrying it so right. effectively for much cheaper than what to be able to watch any other sport that you can you could just watch every single game whenever you want and so yeah that just kind of tipped in and also, I'm a pretty analytical person for what I do for my day job. So baseball fairly quickly kind of scratched a sport that I wanted to watch and like the analytical right. side. And it's it's a 10-year love affair since then. <laughs> you know how bummed out I am to hear that it's cheaper and easier to watch baseball in Great Britain than it is to watch the Phillies in Philadelphia? Yeah, like, but I guess like it would we be have the same MLB you. TV. It might be the same for you guys to watch like the premier league like in the uk maybe in the uk you've got to watch yeah. you've got to have four i think four different subscriptions if you want to be able to watch every game oh so. okay no. all right all right <laughs> then then you know what yeah it's, it's kind of a turnabout is fair play thing i guess <laughs> so it you know what it it's good to hear 
that the blackout issue is not exclusive to MLB. <laughs> Much like how teams having a cheating problem is not exclusive to the Premier League. Oh, so, you know, <laughs> MLB though, I would never accuse MLB of having a cheating problem. Far from it. But okay, so we're we're here to talk about the World Baseball Classic, right? Yep. Um, obviously, you might you might have a favorite MLB team, but I'd be willing to bet that your current favorite baseball team is probably the Great Britain team. Is that a is it a bold prediction? No, I think it's a reasonable one. Like the the qualifying tournament that GB had to go through to this, they ended right. up effectively winning a game ten nine in extras against uh, Spain to qualify. Mm-hmm. And watching that game, I think that was the most excited I've ever been like watching a game because there was a lot on the line for GB. It, this is now the first time that GB's ever qualified for the World Baseball Classic. So it, it's it's a massive for sport, not only for like the team and representing ourselves, but for sport in this country as well. So mm-hmm. kind of what was on the line watching that match, I, I, I am a Guardians fan and I, and I will admit that that was probably more important than watching game seven in 2016 because it's just <laughs> but for me it's like that's four o'clock in the morning and i'm watching that with like three people in a casino in london because that's right. the only place that was showing the game <laughs> at like four o'clock in the morning right and i wanted with i could go watch with a couple of friends mm-hmm. whereas the team gb one i've got like 15 20 friends who are all messaging chatting about it as it's going on kind of going oh my god this is amazing so it just had that kind of level of excitement and and some additional things it's like yeah i know some of the people who are on the coaching staff so i've met some of the people on the teams before so it's Mm -hmm. like i i have an attachment to those players that you just don't have when you watch a a generally a professional sports team you just don't have that same level of attachment (laughs) yeah i mean i imagine in 2016 you know you didn't have that that bond with like rajay davis that that you do with maybe some of these british uh coaches and players yeah so um so let's talk about the team a little bit because uh this is one of the lesser known teams in the entire tournament frankly i mean the only lesser known team is probably the czech republic but that doesn't mean that people aren't going to know some of the names on there for sure um so one of the guys that you know i think a a lot of people know about or anybody who's like into baseball as much as we are uh they're going to know about harry ford you know aka harrison ford aka han solo (laughs) um he's i mean he's the best player on the roster right that's not like a hot take (laughs) so you've got a couple of players that are like you've got trace thompson who obviously is a kind of fourth outfielder maybe (laughs) but for the dodgers and you've got uh like incubate who's who's a relief pitcher who's actually for the cut for for the reds but yeah like Mm -hmm. harrison ford is a high level prospect who has a lot of people watching kind of what what he's going to do next he was probably player of the qualifying tournament. He came out, was catcher, was hitting number one, hit bombs, hit dingers, like did everything that we thought he could do and more. And to right. do that when being 19 years old and kind of having a lot of pressure maybe on you because the way that MLB's coverage of the qualifiers was pretty much like, here are the prospects that are taking part in this tournament because they're right. the only players that no major league players could take part because it was in September last year. So they were, mm-hmm. were playing. So effectively it was prospects that are allowed to go and people who are playing in other areas, some independent ball. Right. In that regard. So yeah, he was, 
he was almost like the face of the tournament with like Noviel Marte, who was playing for for Spain. So. Yeah, I was going to mention that, that him and Marte were kind of getting a lot of the attention during that set of qualifiers for sure. Yeah. So, so yeah, he just kind of did everything that kind of we wanted to, we, as a British fan, you wanted him to do and, and more. So yeah, it, 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 it was phenomenal. Yeah. There are also a few other names that people might recognize. I think obviously Vance Worley is, yeah. is going to be somebody that. Millie's <laughs> fan. Definitely. The Van, yeah the vanimal himself is it's a it's something that you kind of you might not know who's going to be there and yeah there's there's a couple of other names pretty much like half of these players are in like the prospect systems in places they're just not high valued and the other half are people who are playing an independent ball right now who have maybe kind of had a had their little chance in the in the affiliated ball and not made it and then you've Mm -hmm. got tyler visa who's like a cppl like pitcher in Tawan. so yeah you've got you've got a very disparate set of kind of like talent that that people won't necessarily know but i think you're you're always surprised how well somebody who's actually like in double a or even an independable can play like yes there is a difference between major league players and these guys but sometimes i think it's consistency more than actual ability right well and also i mean it less so in pool c because pool c is pretty loaded comparatively but yeah. on the world stage like this like a guy who washed out of the, the majors after one year still might be a really good player on the world stage like he's never going to make the united states team he's probably never going to make the dr but you know a guy like that and like you look at some of the guys who were on team spain who were like feared in the qualifiers who nobody knows who they are like, you know, I mean, obviously, Angel Beltre is one of the greatest players of all time. But uh, the, the only guy that anybody was really seriously talking about on Spain was Noel V. Marte. But, like, you know, some of these just washouts, even guys who washed out of the minors were, like, tearing it up in qualifiers for Spain. So, you know, on the world stage, like, it doesn't have to be major league players to impress a little bit. Um, one of the guys I wanted to bring up, I was doing some reading. Uh, evidently, this guy, Matt Kaperniak. Yep. Uh, it looks like he has been pretty good in the minors so far. He is a good college player. Um, he is a guy who I'm seeing him be talked about as somebody with, with uh, potential, for sure. Uh, it's I mean, he's not on the level of Harry Ford, but that's because Harry Ford is like an elite prospect, frankly. Um, but you know, having guys like this on your team, again, kind of like how you were saying in the qualifiers, it's an opportunity to see guys like this maybe a little bit earlier than you otherwise would. So yeah. uh, I was looking at Matt Kaperniak as somebody to watch. Yeah, I think definitely. Like he, well, I think he hit like 288 in AA last year and had like an 800 OPS. So he, he was obviously a good enough hitter for the AA. I think they sent him up for like a, a very few at-bats in AAA Mm-hmm. next year and I, and he's somebody i imagine will be in the triple a system for 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 the cardinals going forward and hey you mm-hmm. never know like the the cardinals always have that 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 devil magic of that random player that comes up that nobody was ever anticipating them to yeah. be any good and he's he's got some skills and capabilities to do that so yeah mm-hmm. he's he's another one of those you kind of you want to look out and be like okay like this guy could could hit <laughs> and right. has probably at some point kind of 
face some people who are top level players and so can actually has has a chance at kind of maybe kind of facing that high speed because yeah that's that's what you've got to do to work your way up through the system nowadays in major league baseball right and you know i think a lot of people especially people who don't you know keep up with the minors which frankly even a lot of like dedicated baseball fans don't and the the way that teams run their minor league systems is kind of like constantly evolving like when i was like first getting into baseball double a was just a level below triple a nowadays and real i mean this isn't particularly new but nowadays i think that double a is more like for the prospects and then a lot of the time triple a ends up being you know kind of just depth and like roster filler so seeing guys succeed at double a sometimes means more to me than you know how i think he might do a triple a just because a lot of the time i feel like triple a is just like you know oh these are the guys on our 40-man roster they're not good and they're all 28 but you know they'll come up if somebody gets hurt and then in the minor in double a it's everybody's best prospect so you know seeing a guy succeed in double a to me that means that maybe the future is you know what? I would say that I think the future is bright for this guy. He seems like he's pretty good. When you look over this roster, there are some some recognizable names to big MLB fans. You know, guys like Philly's great Darnell Sweeney, who got right. you know some cups of coffee, and obviously Vance Worley. What do you think overall are the strengths, and what do you think are the biggest weaknesses of Team GB? So I think the strength is this is going to be a weird one is actually like the rules that exist in the WBC. So it, the WBC has like strange rules basically because of when it is and it's trying to work in participation with MLB. So in the first round, pitchers can only six 65 pitches max. There are rules that if you pitch more than 30 pitches, you can't pitch like the next day as a reliever. Like the way that GB got through the qualifying tournament was Drew Spencer, who's the coach and like his other like staff, they kind of, really worked out who's going to pitch where, how we're going to manage all of this and do that. They know that they do not have the best pitching lineup. They, they know that they kind of like, they don't have that kind of star number. Like they've got a couple of players with Invisa and Wally who you would you'd expect to do reasonably well, but mm-hmm. they don't kind of have just that name that quite a lot of the other teams, even the ones that maybe aren't that great, have like one major league starter who's out there who could kind of like give them that inning. But I think GB are very aware of how this system works because they've been through the qualifiers, they've done it, they know how to use their players and pick and choose when to use them to kind of get what they need out of it. So if things go well, or even if they don't go well, I think GB can actually understand that quite well. I think also they were a very aggressive base running team in the qualifying tournament. Like Anthony Seymour, (laughs) uh, he had five steals and no other player had more than one steal in the tournament. Mm -hmm. So like he was... He was batting ninth, but effectively he when he got on base over like 50% of the time and then was at second or third by the time of the end of Harry Ford's at bat, who then usually drove him in. So right. they were very aggressive, kind of like when they got on the base of kind of really pushing those guys over to make sure that they would get the chance to be driven in by the people that they trust to kind of get them into those spots. So I would I would be surprised if GB don't take a kind of similar approach during this tournament, I think it's not necessarily going to catch out some of these kind of these other teams because they've got to be, they've got to have done their research as well and seen that like GB are going to do this, not not to discredit like what USA or Canada or everything would do, but they're still going to research 
the team that is potentially like the worst in 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 the group, they're still going to make sure that they don't mess up against right, yeah. lots of teams. So yeah, I kind of. And then you are just kind of saying like you just you have a lot of with the bats you just it's just those questions. It is like yes, Trace Thompson, yes, like Daryl Sweeney, yes, kind of like Lucius Fox. They've seen at bats at kind of like the top level, so you can go like you know what I, although you're not top caliber top top caliber players, like I still think that you could go up against most of the pitching staffs that you're going to get in in the WBC because. I think with the exception of like Japan and Korea, most teams don't actually have their best pitchers because right. it's the because of where it is coming into the season. So you mm. don't think that they're the issue. I think the bottom of the order could be an issue for GB, whether you're just gonna like, are they gonna are they gonna be able to put bat on ball well enough to to do that? It's it's just what they look to do. Do they just look to put the ball in play and see what happens? Uh like or do they have like a few guys? They've got a couple of guys that are power, but I kind of see this team more to be we're just going to put the ball in play and we're going to try and cause havoc on the base pads. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I do want to ask you about uh, a couple of guys that aren't on the team. If you, uh, I don't know if you have any information, but we had Gabriel Rincones on our show and yep. he said that he was, obviously he's a highly touted prospect. I think he's number seven in the Philly system. He's a third round pick. And he said he was in, he said he was on their 50 man roster. He talked to Drew Spencer and he said he was willing to DH. Uh, and I don't know what happened. Do you know if maybe the Phillies blocked it, if he was still hurt, or if GB just said, hey, we're going to go in a different direction. Thanks anyway. Yeah, so I think from what we kind of, there's no definitive answer that we kind of got given, but kind of the think what we were what insinuated was effectively he was held back for because he was injured. Right. Uh, basically, like the Philly, they had the right basically to just say no, and they kind of decided that his progression hadn't come along enough for them to actually allow him to participate in the tournament. I think... Also, I think GB don't want to burn that bridge now. Like he is right. a player that is going to be a part of this team for 10, 12, 15 years or whatever, thinking of what his age is and where he his level of potential could take him. Like I just don't think they want to burn that bridge right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that, yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. I, I do I do want to ask you about something else. Sort of unrelated, but I, I've heard talk about this, and and I, I want to say you brought it up. I listened to your interview with Anthony Seymour, which was really interesting, and you talked about, and I've heard other people talk about this idea of a Bahamian national team, yep, and sort of taking that away from Team Great Britain. And there's a lot of examples of like Curacao playing for the Netherlands, that kind of thing. Do you think that could happen anytime soon? And if you do, how bad is that for Great Britain baseball? <laughs> Selfishly, you know. <laughs> I think it's going to happen. I still think it's probably five, ten years away. Like the the effectively the Bahamian national board. When I was speaking to Anthony and what I've spoken for a couple of other players, it isn't really there as like as a functioning like organization really yet. They've just about kind of about getting like their own field national field back up and running. So it's going to do that. In all of that, like if you then jump out and you create your own team, you then kind of go to the bottom of all the rankings and have got to like work work your way back up so mm-hmm. it's probably in the best interest of both the countries to kind of push the gb team for a while and then at some point kind of like split it off and go where it is yeah like it would be an impact to this gb team there's i think i want to say nine like players on this team who are of bahamian descent and two of the coaches also 
of Bohemian descent. So that's kind of would affect. And obviously there are others that aren't in the, in the squad that have similar things. It would be the same with Jamaica. It would be the same with Trinidad and Tobago. Like these are all places where the British heritage comes into them being allowed to uh, represent GB. But Bahamas is the one that is the furthest or is the closest to kind of having the, their own system. And I think everybody in GB baseball would, if we're perfect honest, we'd love for the Bahamas to be able to to set out with their own team and their own development because it's kind of shown that it's something that we've been able to do as kind of having like GB baseball. It's It probably would have taken a lot longer if it had not been part of like this system. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. It's, uh, it's interesting too, because I think they're, like I've never heard anybody say that about the Netherlands. Like I've heard people say, oh, Curacao should be its own thing, but I've never heard anybody say, well, we want Curacao to develop and be its own thing. So I think that's nice that, you know, it's sort of a rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing, you know. But anyway, I sort of got us off topic. Go, going back to the team, what are your predictions for Team GB and how do you think they're going to fare? Yeah, it's it's a very difficult one here to kind of go with the the patriotic heart and the kind of like the the, the level head that could kind of go with it. I think we've right. got to be, I've got to be brutally honest and go, obviously, this, this is the the weakest team in the group. I don't think there's that. I can't like pussyfoot around and kind of say otherwise, like we are definitely like the lowest ranked seed in this seat group. And yeah, I think you said it earlier. This is a powerhouse group. I think if mm-hmm. GB had got into been the bottom seed in one of the other groups, I think we would have stood a chance against like maybe one or two of the teams in the other groups, but this is the difficult one. I think the game that they've got to go for is the game against Canada. I generally think that like that is like the weakest out of the other, the other four teams. I think yeah, losing, I agree. They've lost Pavetta as well recently, so they're kind of left with Quantrill from a, a, a big starting kind of point of view. And obviously, there's no doubting that Freddie Freeman is a star, but if you look at the rest of that kind of start projected starting lineup compared, compared to the projected starting lineup of Colombia and Mexico in the USA, I don't think, there's, I don't think they're going to be doing particularly well. So you've really got to go for that one game like obviously i think the team and the the squad they're not going to be playing for one game they're going to be playing to they want to get to the semis they want to push and show us as good as well as they can do but i do feel they have to probably put all of their energy towards that game against canada because one win in this tournament you're qualified to the next one basically if you don't finish Mm -hmm. bottom of your group you're automatically qualified for the world baseball classic in three years time which for a team like gb which and just for baseball in the uk as a whole they'll get more money, more funding from like the, the government sports kind of systems that works here. So them automatically being qualified for that will be fantastic. There's still right. systems that exist in the UK that fund things where around like the Olympics. And there's still talks about the fact that in 2028, the Olympics will be in LA and they may want to bring back baseball because well, it's, it's in America. So they might want to try and bring it back for the Olympics. So there's still talk of even getting funding via like the Olympic system in the UK, well, that's still an option. So if the team is participating and qualified for an international, the world international, major international tournament for it, then yeah, we'll get more money for baseball in this country, which will be useful for the people who are playing week in, week out, as well as obviously useful for the international team. But if I'm honest, <laughs> it's going to, it's going to be a struggle. Like All I, right. I, I like the, the 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 heart says we could get that one win. I think the head says probably not. Sadly, right. yeah. I think if if uh, GB managed to hold on to uh, Jazz Chisholm, it would be a lot different because I think then they have that star who can match the Freddie Freeman. And I mean, the does Canada still have Tyler O'Neill? They didn't lose him, did they? 
I believe he's still playing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like, but even still, like Jazz Chisholm's a really good player. If he was playing in this tournament, I think that GB has a realistic shot of upsetting Canada, and they still can. But like, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a reach for them. I would say it's about the same as when we talked about uh, Pool B. I think that the Czech team has a shot at upsetting Australia. But in both cases, it would be like that would be the biggest win in that team's history. You know, the Czechs beat Australia or if the British beat Canada like that, those are huge wins for those organizations. So, I mean, I assume that Britain is probably going to be saving their their best for that game against Canada. I I, I would think so. I think kind of... Obviously, kind of like when you're, you're pitching wise, like it's like Visa or Wally, I think would be your your two starters to go. I, I imagine yeah. one will go against the US and the other one will go against Canada. Mm-hmm. Like you've got you kind of got to, got to push that and and kind of you can't really not if you drop either of them from playing that first game, you're kind of giving up the game against the US, I think. And, and I don't think right. I just don't think they can do it. Like I, I think there's just enough kind of like patrioticness between like GB right. and UK that right. like you've got to give that game the whole hog. We've got to try mm-hmm. and be the Saudi Arabia of the World Cup beating Argentina like right. in, in the first game. But like I see those sorts of odds, like that sort of level of like difference in the team where you never know what could happen. But yeah, it's it's a pretty high end, <laughs> high odds for this to to make even be possible. One of the things that I like to ask everybody that we have on to talk about, you know, the various teams. Um, looking at Team GB, who is your MVP and who is your Cy Young for this team? So MVP, like I'm, oh, I'm torn because I. I love Anthony Seymour. Like I, I, mm-hmm. Ethan, you kind of listened to probably the, the chat that I had with him. Like the, the man's a yeah. dude. The man's like fantastic. Kind of like it's it's really interesting for him to talk about. Like oh, when he was in affiliate system, he was told to just hit the ball on the ground and hit the ball in play, and now he's like, oh, that's completely nearly garbage. Like I should have been taught to right. like hit the ball in the air. And just seeing his career like progress back up through like the independence, I'd just love for him to have like an amazing amazing kind of like tournament and maybe somebody would to put him into an affiliate system to go through there so yeah i'll go with Anthony Seymour. i think he'll be starting center fielder he might be batting like eight or nine but like he's just going to be speed and entertaining for entertainment for that whole entire tournament so yeah we'll go with that brave take for the for the mvp <laughs> i expected harry ford but you know what That's i what like I the non-obvious take <laughs> yeah and probably pitching wise i think I think Tyler Vizer is probably is is the go-to guy. I think the fact that he has been pitching in like the CPF, CPVL and Taiwan and has been pitching at a, at a highly competitive level, like do I think that Vance is potentially like a better overall pitcher? Probably. I think Tyler's just had the more kind of like high-level game experience recently, which kind of I think mm. will just kind of push him push him to be just a little bit better. Right. No, uh, no love for Ian Jibbo. He's built like me throwing baseballs. Yeah. Like- <laughs> always with the use of reliefers it's just how they use them during the tournament because you know that like you can get two maybe three games out of them in that group depending on how much you use them or don't use them during that tournament Mm -hmm. so and any shutdown inning that anybody can provide from that bullpen is going to be like ridiculous like that that's just they know that like they're going to have to use they're probably going to piggyback starters or the longer relief guys in uh, to, to start games and then try and get 
three innings at the three four innings at the end off off the bullpen every single day. So, yeah, you're going to see guys like my, Michael Peterson, who's in like who's in the minor system, who can touch hundreds uh, at times. Like, see how well like he'll do. Obviously, the the other one to kind of to slightly talk about is is Michael Roth. Uh, he's ooh, I've got to say he's like he's he's been basically in pretty much every qualifying team that GB have had for like all of the mm-hmm. all of the tournaments the last three times we tried to qualify and now he's kind of done it again he is kind of like the he's not like the elder statesman of the team because there are players that are, that are older than him but he's like that dude who's been in the GB squad for for 12 years and has finally now got like the opportunity to to play at the world baseball classic right he's the veteran yeah, yeah. he's like he's yeah. the GB well, veteran yeah yeah he's the yeah. Clint Eastwood of team GB <laughs> Yeah, former big leaguer, right? Him and Chris Reed, right? Yeah, yeah, they 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 all have that cup of coffee. <laughs> so, so I'll ask you this: this is the only this is the last question I got? Is there anybody uh, under the radar that you like that you think could really make some noise that people aren't talking about? So, um, uh, Alex Crosby and Deshaun Knowles, are two of like the outfielders who probably one of them might DH and hit. Like those guys have pre. Crosby himself has got a pretty powerful bat from kind of what we've seen and what he's done in his independent league. I'd be be awesome to see if he could like tee off against a couple of guys that are of, of a major league caliber to to do that. Obviously, um, from the pitching wise, uh, like people like Akil Morris and like Mackenzie Mills, they're still young, like 23, 27. Like they've still got opportunities to, if they light it up in a tournament, like those guys can actually do something. And so you'll be... It'll be amazing to see if it happens, but like they're they're kind of like towards like the that middling point of the career where you've got to make that decision of like, well, actually, is this right? Is this the end? <laughs> right, right. One guy I like is Nick Ward. He was really good in the ABL, and he's a good independent ball guy. I think he just kind of never got the chance in the minors. I don't know, but yeah. And if if you want to, if you kind of look at the GB team, it is a lot of that guys who've got some single A, some double A and, and are now kind of doing well in independent ball. And right. Mm-hmm. They they all Justin still, Wiley. Yeah, I spoke to Justin Wiley for for a pod that we're putting out like you know on Pablo's and Nerds in, in in a bit. And he's the same. Like he 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 still thoroughly believes that he's got the the ability to play at, at like the major league level. Like and he's a guy who kind of just kind of didn't even get like drafted but has like played in the Frontier League and is absolutely breaking it in the Frontier League like last year. So he still kind of believes that like he's got, he just needs the opportunity to have the moment to, to, to showcase it. So yeah, there, there, there are guys that are dreaming of being the next Peter Moylan. Right. <laughs> right. Like two, right. From like 2006. So mm-hmm. yeah. So it sounds yeah, like there's a, the there, there's some, uh, some hidden talent on this great Britain team, but I think uh, a lot of people are going to overlook them just because, you know, yeah, if we're being honest, they are they are not the favorites to do much in this tournament but you know come next time around uh if they do manage to bring in jazz chisholm and you know uh, maybe some of these other players improve you know you're looking at a team that has a pretty good chance of maybe even dethroning canada if they end up in the same pool which i don't think is a guarantee at all but i mean Canada in the previous World Baseball Classic played like they should have been oh. relegated. So, oh. so that, yeah. there's uh, there's potential for Great Britain to move up there if they get the chance. So, uh, I guess that you know, yeah, I, guys, watch Team Great Britain. 
Um, keep an eye on some of the people we've talked about. And uh, I think you're going to see some talent that maybe you didn't know was coming. Yep. Looking forward yeah, to that Russell, first game against Team USA. <laughs> Russell, thanks for coming on. This has been a lot of fun, man. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you putting up with uh, my technical difficulties. <laughs> um, what's the best place to find you and Bat Flips and Nerds? Yeah, so you can find us at Batflips underscore nerds on Twitter. That's where you'll kind of find our podcasts and our semi-drivel slash entertainment that we do. Right. We also have a website, batflipsandnerds.com, which is pretty much all British people kind of play blocking about baseball. We try to have like a correspondent for all of the different teams to kind of just give a different perspective on mm-hmm. on, on, on baseball. Yeah, so that's where you can find us. All right. How about, how about you in particular? Uh, you deserve me, some love. How about you? <laughs> me, yeah. I, I, I'm R. Eason on Twitter. Yeah, that'll mainly be uh, statistical takes. If you, <laughs> if you follow me with the occasional, why are people doing things? <laughs> that sounds this good to awesome. me. I like statistics. Is, is there anything we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about real fast? No, I don't think so. I think that's like, I think it's good good coverage. Like In all of this, it's like there are there are players that aren't in this tournament. That mm-hmm. you haven't mentioned and I can't mention to you guys because we've been told like not to mention it but there's I can say at least there's at least four major league players who are not playing in this tournament who could have if right. the clubs can I take teams... a shot at two of them yeah the Naylor brothers and Tristan McKenzie so I can't say no <laughs> okay. alright All right. We'll, end, we'll end it on that hey thanks a lot man you've been great I really appreciate thank Russell. you Russell this again. yeah cheers man Russell, thanks for coming on. That was that was a blast. I definitely learned a lot about Team Great Britain, Tom, and I feel more confident about Team Great Britain heading in. I thought they were kind of a Cinderella story to get in, and then they were mm-hmm. just happy to be here. Like I said earlier, I see them sneaking out a win against Canada now. I, I, I see them as not a complete, you know, team to be steamrolled. Right. Yeah, they're not trash by any means. And I think yeah, I think what they're playing for is to avoid qualifiers. And they're trying to play to show guys like Chisholm. And if uh, I am confident that Rincone is going to be a good player in three, four years, I think he's going to be a real asset for that team down the road. If, you know, if it works out for him to play for them. And if they don't have to go back to qualifiers, I think that's a lot bigger incentive yeah. for some of those better players to show up. I think, Russell so I think that's it. what they're playing for. I think Russell nailed it when he talked about um, sort of using this tournament to lay the groundwork of saying, look, if we get in and, you know, we make a run of it, I mean, which they already did to get in. And he basically yeah. was like, if we can make, if we can solidify our spot in the next tournament, then you got three years to lay the groundwork and get a guy like Tristan McKenzie or something to try and suit up, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And he, and he basically, you know, said, and he didn't want to give too many names, but he basically said, he was like, the major leagues are littered with guys who who would be eligible. And right. so he was like, if we can show that we're not, you know, and also ran here, and if we can put up a good fight, I think that'll go a long way towards, you know, solidifying a, a, a very competitive roster for mm-hmm. 2026, which I want to see, you know, it's super cool. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're of English heritage and that would be fun to see. So yeah, I'm here. I mean, I, I am at least you're not, I want to say uh grandma was. Well, you know what? We learn something new every day, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I look at that and I say, Not that there's anything wrong with that. Of course. But and then anyway. I say, oh! <laughs> But listen, so um, final what? rankings for those of you who, who stuck with us to the end. Um, I got USA, Mexico, Colombia, 
I'm going Great Britain, Canada. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. So we're, I like it. We're in complete agreement. I I do agreement. stand by. I'm a little worried about the U.S. team. Just it, it's probably just because my expectations for them are so high. True. But you know, I mean, they're they're coming off a win. They're finally the United States taking the tournament seriously. Yeah. But you know, uh, at the same time, a lot of other teams who have good baseball programs are also finally taking it seriously. True. Um, Mexico, Mexico has not really put together great teams in the past, from what I remember, and this year they really have put together a good team. Um, I think that especially if they have Arias starting, like if the U.S. lost to Mexico, I would be disappointed. I don't think it would matter that much because they would just be the runner-up because there's no way Colombia is going to beat out the U.S. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the team to watch in this pool really is probably Mexico just because they're, they're the team that is not just definitely going to advance but almost certainly will. And then they're probably the team with the most interesting matchup in, uh, in the, the – in the next round because they are likely going to get the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Which will be a lot of fun to watch. Pro- and probably a bloodbath, but, but listen, all those concerns I have about the U S hitting also go for the Dominican Republic because they're also MLB players. They're on the same schedule and they're, yeah. they're well, probably we'll, we'll, going to be going up against Arias. Well, we'll, we'll get into the, into the DR. When right. we do when we do our next episode, let's. But I just mentioned to say, like, I think the team to watch if you want to watch the the most impactful games in this pool is probably Mexico. Just because I think that they're the team with the most to prove here that that actually has a shot, you know. Yeah, I like Mexico. I mean, I think the team that I'll be rooting for. I mean, obviously the U.S. I want to yeah, win the whole I'm thing, but I, the we're US. taking them off the table. The team that I'm going to have my eye on the most is Great Britain. I just think they're a super fun story. Yes. Obviously, we have, you know, we talked to Gabriel and stuff. And so, you know, I, I selfishly want them to do well. But right. I just don't think that Great Britain, Great Britain yeah, has a great story and they saying. have a lot to play for, but they don't have any relevance because they're yeah, not impact on the larger competition. Yeah. 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 Like, I, if Mexico gets hot, they have a, an outside shot at winning. It would be an upset, yeah, but like it they would be, win. it would be very unlikely, but it would be a lot of, it would be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. U.S., Mexico, Colombia, Great Britain, Canada. I think Great Britain and then Canada is is uh, that's a little bit of a scorcher, Tom. I think a lot of yeah. people aren't going to be in agreement with us on that. And if somebody doesn't like that, feel free to email us at thebaseballpod at gmail.com or tweet at us at thebaseballpod2 on Twitter. And also feel free to. Take it easy. That's a good point. Just saying. I'm that's just a good saying, point. Cool it. That's so, guys. Thanks for joining us for our for uh, extended us, review of Pool C. Uh, we talked a lot on this one. This is a long one, but you know yeah. what? Um, we we had uh, I think we had a lot to uh, to hash out about the U.S. because you're very bullish on the U.S. and I'm a little bit worried, but I I still think at the end of the day the U.S. can end up in the finals. I don't think that that's you know. I don't think there's a lot of people that going against that, but 
I still have my worries. You know, I'm traumatized from all the U.S. underperformance in the past. Let's put it like that. <laughs> That's I a have good U.S. Point. shell. I'm shock. younger. Th- I'm younger than you. You're right. I'm happy One to say, than- rather than having Mark DeRosa in the lineup this time, we can take solace <sighs> in the fact that they have Mark DeRosa. As the manager. Not on the field, yeah. Um, One more thank you to Russell for coming on. Super, super educational. I really appreciate it, Russell. Um, Go follow Batflips and Nerds everywhere, and go follow him on Twitter, at REASOM. Thanks again, Russell. And uh, everybody look forward to our breakdown of Pool D coming up. Coming up. And um, guys, as always, there's only one thing I have to say to you before, you know, I bid you. Adieu. And you already know what it is. And that is... His name is Dan! We'll see you on the next one.